welcome back to another edition of the SBK betting podcast coming off the back of a weekend that I think most racing fans and most sports fans in general will never really forget. It was a, a day that uh, will live long in my memory, uh, Ascot Champions Day. Uh, we built it up massively as going to be the, the farewell to Frankie. And as much as we've said on this podcast and said outside of this podcast that it's probably gone on a little bit long now and it took a little bit of a strange turn with the decision not to actually really be retiring and moving off to America but whatever you say about it Saturday didn't uh didn't we didn't lose out in any of the the drama of it all and the excitement and the thrill of it and I gotta say I loved it um uh, Frankie Dettori did what he did best and he won on his final ever ride at Ascot, his favourite track on King of Steel. Much obviously to my delight is that the fact that I did think that he was going to win anyway. Um, but um, it was a, a brilliant spectacle, a brilliant day. Trollerman was his first winner. Just great racing all in all. Um, Ross, uh, you put up Via Sestina, who was a brave second. And oh, she nearly just got there a little bit soon. Oshin Murphy lost his whip. Steve Hill and the owner was very vocal about his thoughts about the ride. We, you have to feel what a brilliant, essentially career best from the mayor, first time against the boys. Do you think it's what would have been if Oshina just held on to her a little bit longer? Uh, no, not in terms of holding on to her a bit longer. I thought the owner was absolutely bang wrong on that front. But I think if he'd have had his stick and been able to pull his stick through to his left hand, not so much to find forward momentum, because if you watch the slow-mo, Crikey, he's strong and gets down and in behind her in the finish. But she lugged away to her right. She's got a habit of hanging around. And I think if he'd have had a stick, he might have kept her straighter. But I thought it was a perfectly timed run. In He's going on the evidence he's seen all day, isn't he? That nothing was going to come from behind. And he was far enough back. Um, you saw his interview the other day. He thought he had Frankie absolutely in the pocket. He was, as he said, throwing mud up in King of Steel's face. He had first run. And I think a furlong or, or before he dropped his stick, I would think Oshin Murphy was very confident he was going to go and get it done as I was watching. Um, and then when she lugged away to her right and, and Frankie came, um, yeah, it was a, it was mixed emotions, but I agree with you. You know, we won't go on about the Frankie Tory retirement show. We've we said enough about that, but the great thing for racing is if you were at Ascot this last weekend, you're booking your ticket for next year, aren't you? Because you'd have had the best day out. And if it was your first ever experience of racing, you'd be going every week. You'd be looking for racing. And that's exactly what we what we need for the sport. Um, you know, those that know the sport in a bit more detail, perhaps look at it in a slightly different lens, but we've got to look at it from a bigger picture. And it did racing the, the, the world of good um, on the day. Yeah, hit here. Look, I've been lucky enough over the last month to go off to the Rugby World Cup, and uh, I was there when Ireland beat Scotland, and the the singing and the camaraderie and the absolute joy that sport can bring to people is just like palpable. The feeling that you get out of that. So hearing the singing of, I'm not going to do it. I know that you love hearing me sing, but oh, Frankie de Tory. As much as we probably haven't been doing that throughout the course of this year, it was it, it was electric. Um, so yeah, great for racing. We need that. We need a lot of push and as we come to the end of this tough flat season um, with a lot of difficulties that we have seen. Um, I think that we we can end it on a high and feel and feel hopeful that we're going to have a have a, have a good year next year and, and follow Frankie from afar. But um, 
that was then this is now and the jumps are back um ross i know that you've been waiting this all uh basically nearly all year um we're going to get to cheltenham cheltenham will kick off on friday recording on thursday as always we've got the open meeting uh showcase meeting uh on friday and saturday um so much we're going to get stuck into and um, but before we do that it's the small matter of the final group one on the flat of the year which it kind of slightly gets forgotten about a little bit because we've sort of said goodbye to the flat and we crowned our champions last weekend so to suddenly have the futurity stakes now just just feel like a little bit like okay right we've still got another one um especially with heavy ground heavier ground that Cheltenham will have um and luckily we've got a good enough field that is actually held up a little bit um based on the fact that we've got two of the um, you know, main players in the sport with two very, very, very good, high-quality two-year-olds. Um, so we're going to look at the Cameco uh, Futurity Trophy Stakes uh, over the mile at Doncaster. Um, and I think in any other year, maybe Diego Velasquez um, would have been seen as the one of the best or nearly the best two-year-old at Aidan O'Brien's. He's absolutely beautifully bred. He's a, a son of Frankel. Um, he's done nothing wrong. He's uh, also cost a small fortune at the sales, being a uh, half-brother to Broom and Point Lonsdale cost 2.4 uh, million guineas. Uh, one from one, been mightily impressive. Um, and he's up against Charlie Appleby's Ancient Wisdom. Um, Ancient Wisdom just showing um, what, you know, he can really do at Newmarket last time in, in really blistering fashion um, in the Autumn States, beating a horse of Aidan O'Brien's and two fiddle rocks. So that's that. Added to which, a, a lovely story in the shape of Roger Teal's Dancing Gemini, who is extremely well-bred and possibly is a, um, a dark horse in this in this field. And then you've got, um, it's made up in total of, of eight runners. So the Futurity Stakes might be going under the radar, shouldn't be forgotten about. Obviously, August Rodin won this last year. And uh, TC, I'll start with you first. How do you, what, what are your thoughts on this race? Because I know that you are have been a long-term fan of Ancient Wisdom. Yeah, it's an interesting race, isn't it? The Futurity never really throws up the deepest of fields, um, given its place in the calendar. But at the same time, there's a handful of nice two-year-olds in this year's race. Obviously, Ancient Wisdom being one, a horse I really like, and I tipped him uh, for the Autumn Stakes a couple of weeks ago when he won for Charlie Appleby. But Charlie said in a post-race interview that they're likely to put him away for the season. So I'm quite surprised that he's actually entered in the Futurity this week. Seems a little bit like a plan B uh, situation going on there. Look, he could easily win the race. I'm not uh, disregarding him by any means. And he is the market leader. But at the same time, I like to see a horse who's been aimed here rather than one who's been put here as a plan B. Obviously, you've got the Roger Teal's horse dancing Gemini as well. If he was trained by someone else, maybe he'd be a shorter price. And therefore, you could argue that he is the value in the race after a really impressive win last time. But I'm going to side with Diego Velasquez. Aidan O'Brien is just unparalleled with his success in the Futurity. He's won it 11 times. He's looking for his 12th victory. Here. And this horse, who cost 2.4 million guineas, has really improved from the first to second outing. It looks like he's going to progress even further towards the end of this season and then maybe be a classic contender next year. I liked how he put away Capulet last time up. Uh, he was given the perfect ride just in behind the speed, but he ground away at that rival, got the job done. And I think this uh, condition that we're likely to see this weekend at Doncaster will really suit him. Okay, that's really interesting, uh, TC, because I've got the opinion that the conditions might not be what suits him. I just, you know, you look at it's good ground that he's won over. Um, yeah, these Frankels can do anything, but when you're up against horses who are actually proven themselves, Ancient Wisdom being one of them, I'm actually quite surprised 
um, ancient wisdom isn't, isn't, isn't the selection from TC. Like he's gone and proved himself on this. He's battle hardened. He doesn't need to travel. Um, whereas Diego Velasquez has to prove himself first time coming over here. Huh. And he's got five pounds to find officially. Ross, what do you think about it? Uh, I agree with you on the, on the ground, actually. Jess, you said his, his two, two wins have come on decent ground. Yes, when we think Frank, we do tend to think that softer ground will suit them. But watching him, particularly at the last time in the KPMG Champion Stakes, looks to me like he's got a, a really nice, good ground action. Doesn't look like he's got a huge amount in the action. Um, Point Lonsdale liked the soft, but the, the acclimation dam only ever raced on good and good to firm. Um, and, and Broom certainly had all his best form on on good ground. So I'm not sure it's a, a given. Um, I can see where TC is coming from in terms of the supplemented uh, sort of angle with Ancient Wisdom, but I slightly take a different view in that surely that just means that he's bounced out of out of Newmarket, out of the autumn stakes, and Charlie Appleby thinks he's in great form and has got his conditions and is good to go again. 14 days is a short enough turnaround, but he did exactly that turnaround from his first win to his second, albeit that would have been an easier win going into an easier race. He was a very short odds-on favourite for his second win. He won easy enough in the autumn stakes, but I'm always sort of minded of the fact that you don't win a, a graded a group race like that in that fashion and not have a bit of a a bit of a race. But um, I, I'm I'm with him. I think he's he's definitely proven in the conditions. Um, he'll love the trip. I think I think he's got everything going for him. The one thing I would say is that the market will probably be quite informative on the day, won't it? Because they're going to have a very clear line of sort of form themselves. Talking about Coolmore and Ballydoy with Chief Little Rock finishing second last time. They'll know where Diego Velasquez steps up. But much as I can see the, the merit of Diego Velasquez, I, I still think it's the 2.4 million price tag that's perhaps making everyone look at this in slightly better sort of uh, light. Because you beat, only just beat Capulet uh, at Leperstown last time and Capulet was well beaten since. Might have had an excuse, but I think you've got to go on the form you've got in front of you. And for me, ancient wisdom should be, it should be a bigger disparity in the prices. And I, I'm fully with him. Yeah. And Charlie Appleby's stats right now, I know um, TC has been a right advocate of making us aware that his stats have not been that bad this year, considering he doesn't have that big standout sort of three-year-old. 75% run to form strike rate at the moment. Last 18 runners, 10 winners. He's only got three horses running this weekend um, and then doesn't have any runners again until uh, the Breeders' Cup. He's just being very strategic, I think. He's just running those horses that, where he knows they're going to win. He's not running everything and anything. He's been very careful, carefully managing them. Um, and I know that TC says that Ancient Wisdom, this might be a plan B, but I think it's a plan B because he knows how well his horses are and getting them, and this is a group one. He hasn't had a Right to say his only group one win one winner this year in the UK was Modern Games in the Lockinch, and that was right at the beginning of the season. So I think ending with a group one winner would just really lift what's been quite a strange year for them. Saying all this, I'm nearly like persuading myself to tip off Ancient Wisdom, but I'm not. Um, I do like his profile, but I just think at the prices, if we're going to talk about it that way, and maybe from a um, of a sense that Ancient Wisdom and Diego Velasquez are seven to four joint favourites at the moment. Um, Dancing Gemini is five to one. 
Uh, and as TC's rightly said, um, if he was trained by anyone else, he wouldn't be that price. He was He's a homebred of fish dance and he's a, a son of Camelot out of an Australian mare. So he's basically bred to be a derby horse. He's bred to flourish next year, but he's been obviously very forward as a two-year-old. Um, and you re- really can't knock what I think is the best form in the book here, which is his fifth behind Rosalian. Um, yes, he was behind Ancient Wisdom that day, but I think he's obviously improved himself as his Ancient Wisdom has. He's won both starts since. So I think they're more evenly matched than the betting would suggest. So I'm happy to give Dancing Gemini, Gemini a go. He's proven on soft ground. He's got a slightly little bit more uh, freshness compared to Ancient Wisdom. He's also proven on the on the course as well at Doncaster. He just needs to get that extra furlong, which, as we've mentioned, he's bred to do. Um, big moment for Lewis Edmonds on board. Um, you know, you've got William Buick and James Doyle who are battling out, but but with different trainers. But Dancing Gemini, for me, has, has done nothing wrong to deserve his, his place. So um, five to one, I will take. Um, whereas Ross is with Ancient Wisdom and Diego Velasquez, for TC in the Futurity Stakes. Um, they I have to say hats off to, Don, to Doncaster. They're doing absolutely everything they can to make sure that race meeting is on. They've actually moved it, the race, to, to early on in the day so that um, it doesn't get too chopped up and chewed up as well. So heavy ground is not ideal. Um, so um, well done to them and good luck if you're following the Futurity Stakes. But if you're here because you think that this is our first jump podcast, this is where you can sit up and listen. Because Cheltenham, as I mentioned, is back and it's great, great racing. Good to soft ground. I think this time last year it was good ground. Um, so they've actually got like slightly nearly a feeling of jumps ground there for this time of year. Um, it's funny how things just happen in, in different ways wherever you are in the country. Um, but um, as we always love on this podcast, the classic three mile, normally it's a two and a half mile handicap chase at Cheltenham, just gets the juices flowing. Um, we've got 14 runners lining up for the 225, the handicap chase at Cheltenham on Saturday. Um, that's what we're going to focus on. And um, there is going to be a little bit of guesswork in here, but it's great to see that we've got some a good level of um, Irish horses over in general over the course of the weekend. Um, we've got Nicky Henderson being quite quick off the mark. He's been quite busy with his runners and quick draw is a a notable horse at the top of the bet, top of the betting who's um began his season in, in a great vein last time um he uh he was very progressive last season he wants to um draw draw on from that um and then henry de bromhead has got am i right he would be second favorite here he's also got a, a whacker clan in there as well um lord accord um who is um, in here after coming back with a good victory for Neil Holland in this last year, he's got Richie McLernan on again. Um, but the Irish have got good form in it. Jordan Elliott won it two years ago. Um, but have to say, I always think that there's a slight little bit of guesswork going into this who's right on form for this. So I know, TC, we've got to peel you away from your flat love. But um, I'm sure you're prepped. And in the same way that Ross has done so, has really embraced the flat, so much so we've converted him. Um, I'm sure you are delighted to take a look at this. Yeah, jumps racing at this time of year. I know that Ross is going to absolutely love it and he's going to be in his element. But at the same time, it definitely requires a bit of guesswork. I mean, there's changing ground all the time, whether it's quick, whether it's good to soft, whether it's soft or heavy. Um, The weather around this time of year is really unpredictable. You've also got the fact that there's big fields in all of these races at Cheltenham because it is Cheltenham. 
and connections want to run their horses there. And you've got a number of long layoffs. So there are numerous different factors, as well as the usual puzzle that you have when solving a race. So jumps racing is not my favorite at this time of year, I have to admit. Uh, there are a couple of horses in here that have had prep runs, one of which is Quick Draw, who's the current market leader at the time of filming. And another is Lord Accord, who's the horse I'm actually going to side with in this year's renewal. Now, he won this race 12 months ago on the back of a very similar layoff. Uh, he came back from about six months off, ran in a prep race over hurdles, and then won this race. Similar to this year. He's come off a layoff, ran in a prep race last time over hurdles, where he finished fourth behind a Nicky Henderson-trained Highland. It was actually a pretty good run, given it was over hurdles, and quite clearly he wasn't 100% ready. And now he's going to be primed for this race. As I say, most of these are coming off layoffs and probably using this as a prep for something later in the year. So he has the fitness edge. I like how he got the job done 12 months ago. He was right up by the speed. He jumped really nicely on the front end, put the race to bed coming down the hill. And although he did get tied up, up the uh, final home straight, he was too far clear for the others to catch him. A repeat of that run should see him go very close. And he's just one pound higher this time around. So I'll take Lord Accord. Yes, Lord Accord, a good friend of the podcast. Um, I followed him a bit last year. And uh, as I say, he's got a he's got a good racing weight for this, considering he had a bit of a patchy enough season. Um, he didn't win again, I don't think, after uh, winning this this time last year. But maybe that's just got him right for this. And maybe he's he's good um, at this time of the season. Um, he represents the Nilmar Holland Yard, who I suppose have, have had a, a good level of uh, a form coming into this uh, any news being a horse that i i saw when the other day x to ross at a big price as well do you think about cheltenham as a who's in a good order and who gets their horses right for today or is it do you find it a bit of a puzzle because it it's hard to know and i, I feel like willie mullins and the irish trainers are bringing horses maybe that are looking for a bit of better ground because this is the last, first and last time that they'll probably have it at Cheltenham until maybe the springtime again. So it's quite a difficult puzzle to sort of unpick at this stage. Yeah, I, certainly the last few years, because I, I, I get really excited about the jump racing and you see horses that you know and you just want to get really... <laughs> in general, st- sorry, just, yeah. not just there. I get really excited about the jump racing. <laughs> yeah, in general, but particularly at this yeah. time of year and you see horses coming back out that you sort of had caught your eye last year or had done you well last year and you, and you want to go sort of getting stuck in but the last few years I've tried to become a little bit more sensible so I watch as you know with my my cup of coffee and my slice of cake on my left hand side and pad and paper um, and a pen on the right hand side and I try really hard just to rein it back a little bit and watch more than involved because I think you're right I think you've got horses that have perhaps come off the off summer jumps racing they're still going to have their ground you've got horses coming back ready for the winter season mm-hmm. and you get them coming over for ireland and i think they come from ireland for two reasons they come for slightly better ground and also i think they often come just to get a marker on where their handicap mark is because of course they often get a uk sort of irish tax um i think this is a really tricky race to to have a firm opinion in um i'm not a big fan of of quick draw um he was very impressive at Ludlow last time but he's up eight pound now off you know it's a mark of one two six now up eight pound into a better race and I know when he was at the Lacey Yard he was considered to be a fairly moody individual now maybe uh, the switch to seven barrows has sorted that out but I'm not sold on him and it's certainly not a horse you want to take at a short price Twig is a horse you talk about uh, friends of the podcast well he's a friend to me I've backed Twig every single run since he's gone under rules when he moved from Matt Hampson to to Ben Pauling. Um, so straight away, I was drawn to him. But 
I just wonder now if a mark of 140 is starting to find his limit. And with that, Bo Morgan, who's ridden him in all his starts pretty much, his claim is coming down. He's now on a £5 claim from a £7 claim. It just put me off a bit for all I could see the merit of him. Then you've got Kondo Cueto, who is weighted to reverse the form from Yotoxta with with Twig when he finished third behind him. Um, and under supervision and, and the Wolf are definitely handicapped to, to win races of, the, of this sort of type through the winter. But they so often, the pair of them, just put in a litany of jumping errors that just mean they're sort of classed as being unlucky losers when, in truth, it's jump racing. Jumping is the, is the name of the game. So I got it down to two. Um, and Am I Right is, is definitely one that uh, I'm, I'm interested in. I, I'll probably back to our, our tip one. Um, he ran in really good graded races in, in Ireland last year in graded novice chases, was sent off favourite for the Irish National and just didn't really ever pick up the bridle and, and go with it. Um, I think you'd have to put a line through that. He's got a £4 Irish tax. I think he's going to love the ground. He's going to love the trip. I think when we look back at the end of the season, I would think he will be the horse that you would view as being the best handicapped horse in the race at the moment. But I always just have this slight niggling doubt about Henry de Bromhead travelling horses over at this time of year. Um, I just anecdotally have a feeling that they don't always travel particularly well. Um, so I will back him. But in terms of the other one, I think he's just absolutely rock solid. I've got to agree with TC. I think Lord Accord is absolutely solid on this track, this trip, this ground. Um, one off a mark of 131 last year. He's off 132 this time. Well, a pound wouldn't have stopped him last year. He then went on to the Badger Beers at um, Wing Canton, where he only found uh, Frode on too good. That was off a mark of 136. And then they slightly messed around with him, I think, and they geared his whole season around the Cheltenham Festival, and they were aiming for the Ultima. So they ran him in hurdles, didn't run all that well in them, to be honest. Um, and then they didn't make the cut for the Ultima ended up going to the Kim Muir and the rain came. He doesn't want soft ground and it kind of was a bit of a bomb out really. But I thought his return run over two mile five was was perfectly good over hurdles. I would be very surprised if this hasn't been the target since the rain started falling at Cheltenham in the in the festival and they knew they weren't going to get what they wanted there. Um, so Lord Accord is the selection, but I will certainly be back in Am I Right as well. Okay, in general... How much better do you think this race is this year than last year? Because just looking back on it and just reminding myself who pitched up and how many horses even finished, I think this race looks a lot stronger. So yes, he's you know he's waited to be competitive again, but he's going to have to raise his game again to be so. Yeah, but I think he won with a bit up his sleeve last year. If I'm honest, um, I really do. Um, you know, you you, you take Frode on who. Okay, only did it once last year, but Frodon at his best was still a mighty horse. You take Frodon out of the Badger Beers and, and Lord of Corb was an, a comfortable winner off a five pound higher mark again. Um, so I, I see what you're saying, and I but I but I get the impression that we thought it was fairly complicated last year, and again we'll we'll find plenty that just won't be quite cherry ripe for this. Um he will be. Um so I I see your point, but I I'm not sure he needs to be that much better. Okay. Fair enough. We'll see if um, uh, the selection of both TC and Ross, Lord Accord, can uh, can do it twice uh, in a row. I well, one horse that was mentioned by Ross was Twig. As said, friend of this podcast, you cannot knock Twig. Um, what a what a great horse he's been, and and what kind of 
in innovative training really from from Ben Pauling because um there's a quote from when he won last time which was um back in uh July time when Ben Pauling said when I originally trained Twig for his previous owners who bred him he wasn't physically ready I did think he was going to be a racehorse and that's why I sent him off into the point-to-point field and he's just improved and improved and I know Ross how much of a fan you are the point-to-point scene and how much everyone should be and how much they can bring horses along build their confidence we talk a lot about horses needing to win to fill their confidence and sometimes that can sound a bit strange because it's like well how do they really know but I think this horse is a prime example of, of it and I don't really what I think is exciting about him is that I don't really think we know where the limits are, especially over um, a bit of a further trip. Now, he um, for, on the point to point field, you know, he'd be running over this three mile distance and then they kind of experimented a little bit, brought him back down and trip, um, uh, decided to bring him up and over over hurdles. Um, he was seeing it out quite nicely over two and a half miles. But for whatever reason, running first time over fence stick over fences uh, back over fences again um in july i just thought he looked even better and i thought that was a very um exciting effort considering obviously they've been campaigning him solely at hurdles to get that confidence back in him but really what he really thrived that in the in the uh, in the point to point field and at the back end of last um last year you know he had a couple of runs over fences that's where i think he's really what he's really made for um so now that they've gone about getting boosting up his confidence this is what his season's going to be all designed around I would say um the only thing is as mentioned he's not as um he doesn't have a race under his belt he might just need it but um I think that we've seen him run well fresh before this time last year uh just looking back he had two races over fences one he was second in and then he won maybe it's like maybe maybe he might just need it but I think then for that reason he's a good each way price if you can get around eight to one uh for this I, I just I haven't seen him run a poor race in a long time um and Bo Morgan yes he will take five off but gets on with this horse very well he's also ran nicely around Cheltenham he's a good second here in a novice hurdle uh, back in April so twig for me um Really, will hope to see him continue on. Um, what's been a what's been a really fascinating campaign um, for the Morgan family and for Ben Pauling. So that is um, a good look at that handicap chase at Cheltenham on Saturday. Um, we've got plenty more uh, where this comes from in terms of um, our good racing, essentially good racing at Cheltenham, good racing at Doncaster. Newbury is slightly under consideration considering that they've already cancelled their friday uh, day it's been waterlogged but sassy at the moment is due to be off so tc can i have your nap first um and then i'll get a nap from ross and uh we'll go next best afterwards yeah it's a very tricky day we'll say that um my nap is going to be on the flat quite obviously uh and that is serene seraph in the 240 at newbury that's the radley stakes uh, it goes by another name, but it's always been known as the Radley. Um, Richard Hannon targeted this race last year with a horse called Magical Sunset, who he said prior to the race would be a perfect Fred Darling type. Magical Sunset came here, won the race, won the Radley, then went to the Fred Darling next year, was sent off favourite and unfortunately disappointed. But it looks like he's going for a similar kind of setup for Serene Seraph. This filly has had three runs so far. She finished third on debut in a very good race, won by subsequent Group 2 Rockfell winner, Carla's Way. 
the runner-up star of mystery trained by Charlie Appleby and owned by Godolphin has also subsequently won a listed event. So it was a really strong two-year-old contest at Doncaster. Then she came back and was punted into seventh four second favourite uh, and ran a great race at Salisbury, but finished second to a horse called Skelet from uh, Rafe Beckett's yard. Again, a highly talented filly. So look, she's run creditably. And although you're looking at the form figures and thinking, why has she not won earlier if, if she really is a group horse? But she has bumped into some very nice types. Last time up at Newbury on testing ground in an absolute deluge, she got the job done and very impressively at that. She barely came off the bridle. And yes, she might not have beaten much, but I liked how she went through the race and she definitely ticks the visual impression uh, box right there. Again, back at Newbury, over a course and distance, we know she handles. Richard Hannon's horses generally improve for their runs. She'll go to the Fred Darling next year as one of the market leaders, and I'm hopeful that she'll win the Radley. Thanks. Hopefully um, Newbury will be all right um, and that it dries out just slightly. Um, now, Ross, you, you just said you just proclaimed how much you love the jumps. So your nap's on the jumps, isn't it? I, I was really conflicted, Jess, because um, there's plenty of horses that I will probably have a small play on at, at Cheltenham. But I think I've got to try and be responsible in a, and a nap and a next best are two that you really quite fancy. And much as I like a couple of horses at Cheltenham if they blow out I, I won't be despondent myself but if I'm advising other people I need to be a bit more sensible so I've gone to Newbury which I hope will be on um, and it's the 130 um, which seems Hamish uh, reopposed against Max Vega they finished first and second last year now Max Vega beat Hamish last year albeit a fairly short distance but off level weights he now gets three pound um, he's got virtually the same prep Coming in, his season has mirrored pretty much the same. Ran well at Newbury on, on debut. Has done pretty much nothing since. Was very disappointing over a mile and three on good ground last time, as was the same last year. And now rocks up here on, on desperate ground on a track he clearly likes and gets £3. And the market disparity is absolutely massive and I just don't understand it. Been, you know, The Yard have been in great form all season. Um, I think you've got to back him and... and I see no reason why Hamish is going to reverse that form. Hamish has had a good season this year, as he did last. Mm -hmm. um, I just think Max Vega is completely the wrong price. I hope Newbury is on, um, and I think he'll win the 130. Interesting, because my nap is also in that race as well. So I'm going to take you on, because Al Karim is a horse that has just been laid out for this end of the season. He is a hardy, tough horse. He is loves it with a bit of give in the ground, and he is, I think, overpriced this um off the back of another really good gritty battling success at ascot um but the victory over chet over blue stocking at chester the time before reads really well now considering how close she came in the group one at, at ascot over the weekend and i just think that he's the horse that will get down and get dirty when they need to be whereas hamish yes he can do um but you know might just sometimes give something back um given a long break again he's good off off a break as we know um maybe that's the only thing that will give him more of a better credentials. Um, Matt Vega, for all I or for all I rate him, is his form has gone off a cliff recently, whereas Al Kareem comes in here off a good uh, vein of form. So we'll take each other on. Enjoy that. We don't do that that often. It's normally you and TC. So happy to take on Ross this time and see how much he he believes he knows about the flat at the end of the season. Um, right, next best TC. What have you got? 
yeah, it's over to Doncaster for uh, the next best. And as I say, when I usually put up a shortish price horse for the nap or a shortish couple of horses in the feature races, I like to go for a bigger price next best. And hopefully I'm doing that here with a horse called Deputy in the 505 at Doncaster. It's a competitive noughts 80 handicap, but Deputy has been aimed at this race. And as I've already touched on in this podcast, horses that have been aimed at, aimed at end of season flat contests are right at the top of my radar at this time of year. It's not an afterthought. This has always been the plan for Deputy. And that's proven by the fact that he finished second in an edition of this race in 2021. And he won this event last year. Now, Michael Dodds, Graham Lee teaming up. I like that uh, team. They don't often come together, but Michael Dodds is fantastic with these flat uh, handicapped sprinters. And Deputy has been running it to a decent level. Now, you might look at the recent efforts air and think, oh, actually, he's pretty poor on both occasions. And maybe he didn't run to his A game at both times but it was a Scottish track he doesn't really handle and prior to that when he was running in the spring on soft ground which he really needs he was very competitive so I'm hopeful the deputy running off just one pound higher than when he won this race 12 months ago will get the job done at a nice price in the 505 at Donny. And Ross um, a next best potentially you're going to be brave enough to to pick a pick a jumper? Yeah I have gone to the jumps gone to Cheltenham um, I mean, I normally glaze over, get a migraine and scroll on past when I see the words per temps qualifier because they are an absolute minefield. But I think some of these early ones um, can have a little bit more sort of substance to them. Um, a horse I really like is Espor de Rome. Kim Bailey and David Bass have hit the ground running this season. Uh, Kim Bailey is 30% winners to runners. Mm. David Bass at 38%. David Bass has been brilliant a couple of times I've watched him this year. If you if you if Newbury's off and you've got a bit of spare time, go back and watch the novice chase from Chepstow where David Bass rides Chianti Classico and rides him like he's a second season handicapper. He was so brave on him. And then again at Kempton on Sunday, destroyed the evidence. Thought he gave that a brilliant ride to win the, the novice hurdle there. Um Espo de Rome is a 150 rated chaser, running off 138 here. Um, he came back off for a long layoff last season, ran really well twice um, over hurdles, inadequate two mile five at Ascot and then uh, ran well behind Twig at Utoxeter. Um, had a wind up, gets cheap pieces first time. I think you can count on him as definitely putting his best foot forward here because I suspect they'll go back over fences because he's certainly a, a better chase than he is hurdler. But I think a mark of 138 has proven to be workable. He's run, run well twice off it before um, and I think he'll win the uh, per temps qualifier which is the three o'clock at Cheltenham okay around about 14 to 1 you can get for Esport de Romney so nice price for you there um, in the per temps uh, hurdle three o'clock at Cheltenham so my next best in the similar vein um, of thinking as Ross is um, a, another trainer who's just began this season off really well Emma Lavelle has had a really really cracking October um, she's put aside last year's sort of patchy season um, and I've seen some very exciting horses to go to war with this season including Big Fish who won yesterday at Exeter he'll be one to to follow her and Tom Bellamy partner up very well I think he talks really well Tom and he gives a very good feedback for us as um, you know viewers to hear exactly what's going on from their perspective and Red Rookie is a horse um, that for that team that's running in the 115 um, at Cheltenham so our first race on Saturday um it's also not really that hardly tried last year, only around the four times. Maybe considering that they weren't in great form, they didn't over try him or overface him. Um, he actually, uh, they gave 
uh, back in 2022, the Arkle ago, obviously at massive price. But he's probably just a horse that they know has got plenty of ability, but maybe just trying to find his level a little bit again. Um, he won at Warwick. Um, and he did that very nicely uh, in a chase at Warwick on his penultimate start on soft ground and then um, potentially um, just wasn't quite really himself over two mile, two furlong behind Mercy and Prince on his last start. Um, his jumping can be a little bit sketchy, um, so hopefully they brushed up a little bit on it this over the summer. Um, but he's up against a very decent horse in the shape of Hannah de Zobo, um, but um, both of them coming off a bit of a break and... Um, Red Rookie gets a, a bit of a weight swing. So I think that he could play a, a bit of a part in our opener at Cheltenham. Um, so that is my next best. So we've got um, a bit of fun coming at Cheltenham this weekend. Really looking forward to it. Um, I hope that everyone is as well and that we've given you something to think about um, for uh, that and also obviously for the futurity stakes. Let's see if Newbury's on. Um, I think they're making a decision at two o'clock on Friday, um, depending when you're listening to this. Um, so Ross TC, thank you as ever. Um, a reminder that all new SBK users get £30 in free bets when you sign up and bet £10 for the first time. And we've also got some other offers. We've got some football multiple offers. Place two £5 football multiples. Get a £5 free bet for this Saturday, the 28th of October and Sunday, the 29th. That's available to all customers. And then horse racing multiples. So a bit of fun for the selections that we've given you. Place two £5 horse racing multiples. Get a £5 free bet for Saturday and that is available to all customers as well so thank you for listening as ever um i will not be here next week but you'll be left in the capable hands of um adam bayless um, to guide you through um <clears throat> the racing preview but remember to subscribe to whichever podcast channel you listen to um we will be having plenty of specials from the jumps perspective coming up so watch this space and we'll see you soon